Hey guys, and welcome to episode 267 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabuono, and this week we have on Dynamite Starfish founder, Leslie Kim. Dynamite Starfish makes climbing apparel with climbing culture-inspired designs to fill in some of the blanks in the culture of the climbing community. Leslie has been a longtime designer in career and just as a personal passion. Between her visual art and her many, many hobbies, she has had a chance to see what kind of culture exists within all the circles she's been a part of and what that looks like. As she got into climbing, she felt a serious sense of community and culture, but didn't feel that there was a lot of apparel that shines a spotlight on what climbing is really all about. I mean, how do you represent the entire zeitgeist of an activity that's built around close-knit communities that prop up a sport? Well, Leslie's found a way. There are so many tropes, cliches, and inside jokes embedded in the culture of climbing that every climber is familiar with, whether they realize it or not. Leslie aims to take those commonalities and use it to help strengthen a community and make more space for fun. Climbing culture extends beyond the act of climbing, and that's a lot of what Leslie wants to highlight. Being a climber can mean a lot of things for a lot of different reasons to a lot of different people, but it's all built on the hinge of the love of the sport, and that's exactly what Leslie wants Dynamite Starfish to amplify. In this episode of Built on Passion, Leslie Kim shares what kinds of roadblocks she faced in starting Dynamite Starfish, both physical and mental, the uncomfortable nuances of crossing over into the entrepreneurial world and how she managed to come out on top, and her how and why behind building Dynamite Starfish. Hey, Leslie, how you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> See, I told you it's kind of awkward, the second greeting. Oh, it's great to, uh, to have you on. Thank you. Thanks. So I guess for starters, who are you? For the listener who is unfamiliar, who is Leslie Kim? Sure. I'm Leslie. I think I self-identify as kind of a weirdo, but by trade, I'm a graphic designer and an artist. And I think I can now say I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm a wearer of many hats, a starter of many projects. I'd say you could definitely call yourself an entrepreneur. And with that said, we're here today to talk about Dynamite Starfish. What is that? I guess Dynamite Starfish is kind of my baby. It's like the thing that I've always wanted to do for, I guess, a really long time. Like I've always been really interested in different like sports and activities and culture. But right now I work this, I guess it's like an indie business and we sell t-shirts with art about climbing. There's also stickers and mugs and a bunch of other like fun goodies. I make all of the original art And um, they're usually just inspired by climbing trips or fun climbing conversations. Like, you know, you go on a road trip with a friend and you come up with this like hilarious idea and you're like, that has to be on a shirt. And then um, you always wish that somebody would make it. And that's honestly how a lot of my shirt ideas happen (laughs) is just to make my friends laugh or make them happy. But I've kind of strayed away from that. Because it's kind of a courtesy for people who aren't like in on the joke or whatever. I try not to get too obscure. Honestly, I think you should. Le- I would. I would be psyched if you leaned into that a little bit. <laughs> oh, they're definitely on there. There's like a passive aggressive tri cam shirt, which is like <laughs> for people who only use tri cams, which is like a weird subset of climbers. Yeah, I came up with that with one of my climbing partners. We were climbing Vedavu. And he's just like a tri-cam fanatic and brought up a number seven tri-cam, which is like, 
the size of a number five cam. <laughs> and we actually placed it. And after that climb, we were just like, God, we have to make a passive aggressive tri cam shared. It would just be the best. <laughs> and it actually, it does pretty well with like the, the sort of like old trad people out there. They love it. That's, that's a thing that I love about bringing more culture into the climate community. Also for, for the listener, dynamite starfish is in terms of like what they deliver. Are you, artistic a climbing inspired artistic community first or are you going straight for apparel i think at our core like we just make art and it just so happens that the art i make probably because i studied screen printing in college just lends itself well to uh, being put on shirts and you know like i've been making art about climbing before this business like i never intended to have a business i just made the art as a kind of study to look at how people in this culture were behaving and like how i could sort of talk about and bring out the nuances of the culture and that kind of eventually just turned into what I guess is now like a, is a clothing brand. <laughs> it's hard for me to say because it's not like I manufacture the clothes myself, like in the sense that I'm finding the fabrics and like sewing them or anything. Like I do screen print a lot of the art myself. So there is like that aspect in there, but I'm not like, I'm not like looking for the most innovative shirt material or something like that. So I would say it's more art focused than apparel focused. You know, when, when I briefly went back on Dynamite Starfish's website before we got started and I, you know, saw like the, the playlist and I saw sections for like just art prints, it, it kind of feels like for where you are, like, yeah, you're getting started with making apparel. But since you're making these designs, you could really throw it on almost anything. And it's more painting, colorizing the sport with culture. I like that. <laughs> I feel like that's that's kind of what's going on. Because and you think about it, we were talking about this briefly, but climbing has been has never really been super expressive specifically. It's more been you know, like conquering a mountain, right? So it's like it's hard to bring art specifically into the sport without literally bringing it in it doesn't it's not like people are, are really making these like super super fancy shoes or harnesses i feel like that ends up getting so technical that it's hard to make i guess more like custom designs for that mm. yeah i think there's i think you're you're touching on like a, a different different avenues of innovation like there are technical avenues of innovation that a lot of the big brands are doing to come out with like lighter fabrics and stuff that's more waterproof stuff like that but you know when it comes to i suppose like cultural innovation i when i first started dynamite starfish i really didn't see any art out there about climbing that i felt like spoke to the climbing culture that i was actually seeing so I always talk about this, but when I looked for climbing shirts or any kind of climbing media or artwork, there was always just that clip art from the 90s of like some guy hanging off a cliff. And it was like, it looks so extreme, but you know, nobody ever does that. <laughs> and um, I mean, people do, but obviously that's like based on a real person probably, but it was just that kind of cliff bar aesthetic. <laughs> And I really just wondered, like, where's the, where's the fun in climbing? Like, there are so many climbers who are not out to conquer the mountain. They're just climbing because they think it's great and fun and a good community activity. And they have this very specific kind of 
try hard that is kind of different from like alpine climbers like the like the boulders and the sport climbers and the very first design i made which was like the taped up hands with the bloody finger and it says keep climbing i feel like that was just what i was seeing in just my circle of friends were people who would trash their hands and they'd be bleeding but they'd be like oh, i just have to give it one more go <laughs> and that wasn't really going to be represented by like the clip art of the guy hanging off the cliff <laughs> Yeah. And it, I feel like with that, you can kind of bring and highlight the passion of the sport too. It's not just about necessarily like conquering a thing to be the best or whatever. It's like uh, kind of competing with yourself, which is something that I always really thought was cool about climbing. You're competing with yourself, with everyone else who's competing with themselves. And it's like banding together to conquer problems or, you know, different climbs, stuff like that. I do really love that about climbing. I feel like everybody is allowed to climb at their own level. And what's really appreciated is just, are you trying your best? And I think that's really great. And it doesn't matter like what level you climb. We can all, for the most part, climb together and we can encourage each other to just like do our personal best. One, that's, one of my friends always says this, his favorite thing about climbing is that you can have someone climbing like the most difficult thing in the world next to someone who's climbing like just a, a really beginner thing like a physio or something and there's no like separation it's not like with like skiing or snowboarding or even surfing or skating where your skill level dictates where you can go you can there's still like a way for everyone to kind of be and like enjoy the same area and i always thought that like that's that's like the perfect thing to bring people together and to like help I don't like more advanced people bring up people just getting into the sport too. Oh, totally. I feel like that's how I got, you know, introduced to people who are better at it than me too. It's like a lot of people just saw me at the gym, like flailing on something, but trying really hard. And they were like, you know what? Like you really suck at climbing, but I like your spirit. Let's be friends. <laughs> that's the best way. That's the best way to operate with anything. <laughs> yeah, I, At least you got spirit at the end of the day. That's to me, that's the biggest win of all. Oh my God. <laughs> So before we get to doing the weeds here, getting back to Dynamite Starfish, what made you start it? How did you dream this up and, and go for yeah. it? Yeah, I think that's like a really long story, actually, because I've just always wanted to have a project like this, but I never really had the right sport, the right skills. And for some reason, when I started Dynamite Starfish, it just felt like it was more possible for me. Like when I was younger, I was a total martial arts fanatic. This is what I did. Like, you know, I was on the swim team and after my practice, I would go to my martial arts class and work out for like, you know, an hour or two or whatever the workout is. And then I'd come home and I had a punching bag and I would just like punch and hit the bag for hours until like I was bruised. And it just, it was my passion in life. I just wanted to be like really good at it. <laughs> After that, I got into stuff like snowboarding and also dirt biking. And I just started to see that all of these little niche cultures had a way of being that was just so special and particular to that culture. And I always just wanted to kind of bring that out. And once I started climbing, that was another thing that I just got really obsessive about. And I started making art, like I would go to different places. I live in California, so I would go to Joshua Tree and Bishop and I would meet the local climbers and I would just see how the landscape was too. And I just really wondered like, what makes this place special? What makes that place special? And try to kind of study those places and come up with artwork that 
helped just, I don't know, bring a unique perspective to like these climbing areas that we loved. It was really just, I put some of the art up on my like personal Instagram page and people were like, oh my God, can you put that on a shirt? And I was like, no, (laughs) I never want to deal with having an apparel company. Like if you want it, then, you know, I'll put it up on this. Like there was this website where you can just upload your art and, you know, the system would kind of spit out a shirt (laughs) for you. And so I tried that, but the quality was really bad. So after that, I kind of took it into my own hands and I started doing it. But yeah, that's kind of how it all started was just going to places, kind of studying the culture, putting out art, and then having people ask for them on shirts. And um, yeah, finally I obliged and I asked a couple local gyms if I could set up a table. And the uh, Stronghold Climbing Gym, shout out in Los Angeles, they're great people. And they were the first people to say, hey, yeah, come on in. And um yeah, I, I helped them do a charity event and sold shirts for the first time there. And it was great fun. There was the the next step from there actually like setting up a website and everything, or did that did that happen a little bit beforehand? The website and everything actually came, I would say years later. My main way of getting my stuff out there was just going to gyms and festivals and having little pop-up events. There was one time where, and I was like so shy to do any of this. I hate public speaking. I actually just laugh at myself because I'm on a podcast and that would have been absolutely unthinkable five years ago. It's like, oh, you want me to talk to somebody in public? No. Um, You should see me. I like psych myself up in the mirror for like a good hour. (laughs) It is not easy. And so like, you commend yourself for, for being here. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's just, I guess, I guess you, you learn and it becomes not so scary. But during my pop-up shops, I would even be afraid to ask people for money sometimes. Like if somebody would be like, oh, I really love this. Like there were so many times I'd be like, oh my God, just have it. So we can stop me feeling weird about this. <laughs> yeah. So it was really like an in-person thing. And um, being a graphic designer, I knew that I could make a website. So like I knew how to make assets and design logos and stuff. So finally I I did that and it was really just there so that my friends who knew me who couldn't come to an event I was doing could um, buy the shirt that they wanted. And it wasn't really until probably until COVID that I was like, oh, selling online is a thing and I could actually sell to strangers. <laughs> so that's kind of where my, I would say, e-commerce journey started. But my website existed for five years before that. And it was not in any way optimized. Like, don't even ask me what SEO is. <laughs> yeah, it was just there for like people who already knew me could get the thing that they wanted if they couldn't find me elsewhere. Okay, there we go. And the best part of that is you don't have to talk to all the people that you sell shirts to in e-commerce. Yeah, that's true. Although talking to people at pop-up shops is like my favorite thing because God, you meet just all kinds of people and you know, people you would think would never like your stuff will come and buy it. And then you also get those like insulting people as well, but they are, it's like a good ego check because you have to be reminded sometimes that not everybody loves your aesthetic (laughs) and that's okay. Like there are people who come to my table and they're like, God, keep climbing. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) They actually say that to you? 
I had one person say that to me, but he was also on the phone with someone and just being really angry. And I think he was just like an angry passerby. But I did have one person say that. And I like, I was kind of like, mm, should I be hurt about this? And I was like, nah, it's all good. Yeah, that's just a shitty thing to say. It, <laughs> yeah, don't, I wouldn't feel bad about that at all. I'd be like, man, thank God I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah, he seemed really unhappy. <laughs> when it comes to actually making the shirts, what was the process of finding the right apparel was that difficult did you just kind of go for it try a couple things out see what you like and go from there i think i just went with what was comfortable and what people liked so yeah i tried out a few things and i found that people didn't write like the like kind of stiff boxy shirts that a lot of graphic apparel companies use so i just i went with the feedback from my friends and they really enjoyed the kind of poly cotton blend shirts and they said they were durable and comfortable and really soft and so i was like cool like i'll just go with that and i also just i try to um I buy from companies that have good ethical standards as well. Like I want them to have humane conditions for their workers and all of that. And that has been a really big part of uh, my business also. Yeah. But when it comes to like picking the products that I print on, it's really a lot of times up to the customers and I'm always putting out polls on Instagram or even in emails of just like, hey, what do you want to see next? Like, do you have any feedback for me? What do you like? What's important for you? And in that sense, like our direction is very much community generated. Like even now, I just got finished doing like a poll with some of my, uh, what I would consider like my best customers. And I just want to make sure that I keep them prioritized as we grow you know, it was just great to hear about like what they want. And I love just hearing feedback. And I think also, I, I didn't really consider this when I first started, but it is just sort of my natural tendency to like listen to people. So what people end up loving the most about my business is that, you know, I listen to them and if they want something and I get enough requests for something, like I'll make it. <laughs> and I think that there aren't a lot of businesses out there that make the regular customer feel like special and heard. I think that the interesting thing about all this, and especially in regards to you really communicating with your community is that, you know, you, you have this thing you, that this, what you, I, when we were talking initially, you, you said like, it's an art project that basically became a business. So you were able to turn your art project into a business, but it's not even that. I feel like what dynamite starfish really is and is becoming is a community. And it's like kind of a cliche thing. People say it all the time. Sure. But really beyond that, it's like a cultural centerpiece for climbing. It seems like it's starting to become I like that term, a cultural centerpiece. I've never heard that before. And I never really considered what I do to be in that vein before. And I feel like I always struggle to figure out like, what is Dynamite Starfish? Like, I have this journal entry called, like, is it art or is it business? And I just write in it all the time and I muse about, is it one thing or the other? And I think you are right. Like, it's some, it's both. It's some combination of a bunch of things that I didn't intend for it to be a certain way. But by letting it take its own form, it just sort of has become, I don't know, I guess it is part of the culture now. It's a, kind of a pain in the ass that with something like this even for for what we've been doing like what we've been growing this podcast whatever monetization and money really is such an important thing so you can build it and grow it and 
give it love without having to worry about feeding yourself. And I hate that that's such an important thing, but as soon as you're able to have your what you're doing sustain you, I feel like that's when you can really make it this incredible thing. So it's like you have these great designs, these you know, this great apparel, and now you're like start you're creating things like a community playlist and like actually in, able to communicate with your your audience, your community and say like what do you guys want? What does climbing mean to you? All these different things. It's like what we were talking about before, like with like skating. There's like an underlying culture that has existed. And that's could be said for climbing. But, you know, it's climbing needs more artists. So you're kind of uh, helping to really bring us up. Yeah, I think I think now there are lots of artists in climbing, which I love and I appreciate. But yeah, it's just like when I first started, there was really nothing that resonated with me. And I remember seeing all the climbing art that was out there and being like, well, how come none of it really reflects like the fun and the try hard and like the, all the little climbing quirks and fun, sometimes raunchy terminology that (laughs) kind of makes it what it is. Like climbing is in some ways a little bit crass and uh, that's okay. That's just part of its history. But yeah, just with the community playlist and stuff too, it's really just ways that I tend to try and think of ways of how to enrich my community's lives. So another thing I do is like climber interviews, but the playlist is something that came about just because I was thinking of people who go on road trips all the time and maybe they would want to listen to, you know, the favorite songs of other people in our community and just kind of get a feeling or like a a texture for what everyone is listening to. So I put out like, what's your favorite send song? And I added it to a playlist. And after that, at first I was a little bit like, oh, maybe I should control this. But finally I was like, nah, just let it go. And so I made it open to everyone who wanted to contribute and people just contribute like the wildest stuff. But yeah, it's super eclectic. It's super fun. Highly encourage anyone to listen to it on their road trip if they want a little outside recommendations from strangers. Oh yeah. For anyone listening, I'm fully linking that in the show notes. So please nice. by all means <laughs> rock out. Yeah. And the interviews was something that came out of the same thing was I was seeing these like climbing movies and videos and all these interviews about people who were, you know, obviously climbing amazing just feats of humanity. Like to climb all those hard climbs that we always hear about is is incredible. But Also, there were so many climbers I would meet with just really interesting stories about how they got into it, how they changed, how it changed their lives, like how it got them on a more positive path to the future. And I just wanted to highlight those people. So I started reaching out to what you might call everyday climbers and just saying like, hey, do you want to just answer a few questions and share your story? And it turns out that people really liked it. Recently, I haven't had the bandwidth to keep it going, but I'm going to start it up again. So if anyone knows a climber with a really interesting or inspiring story, hit me up and I will interview them and put it up on the blog. And there's a directory that you can look at that has the everyone's name and you can just read as many of them as you like. Now that I think about it, climbers really do tend to have a wild and like very specific story. Like people who like really, like really dig into the community and like you don't need to be conquering these like epic climbs either i feel like it's like what has climbing given you and what makes you 
I don't know, so attracted to the sport. That alone is like something that you can really dive into. Oh, yeah. And I think just the way people stumble upon climbing and how it becomes part of their life is so incredible. I think climbing is something that's naturally kind of like addicting. And there's also a community around it. So, you know, you can take it in a bunch of directions. Like you could probably be really unhealthily addicted to climbing. And, you know, it can also help you form social bonds. Like if, you know, we live in a world where people are really we're like overconnected through social media, but it's hard to find activity partners. Like unless you do a really specific activity, like I can't even imagine if I didn't climb or have like any really specific passion in life, like how would I even have a friend to have lunch with or something? If not that I like grew up with them or something like that. And, you know, I don't know how it is in other towns, but I hear from people who move to LA from out of town that LA is a really tough city to find people to connect with and stuff. So yeah, there's so many different reasons for climbing or, I mean, anything you do, but climbing, I think it just helps bring people together. And for me, it helped me get out of a really bad place. And also, you know, a lot of great friends that I met were just through climbing and climbers really expanded my horizons on who I consider a friend even. Like before that, you know, you meet friends, yeah, at your workplace, like in college or whatever. But in climbing, like I would go on climbing trips with like, you know, people who were like, a plumber and a PT and like a CMO (laughs) when we'd all go climbing together and we'd be great friends. And yeah, it's like, where do you have, where else can you hang out with people with that kind of, it's just like a beautifully varied background and get to learn about all these different types of people and how they live. And I, I think that was like the most beautiful thing about climbing for me. And I think that's the same way for a lot of people which is why I try to like highlight all the different stories. Yeah. That man, that I feel like that that's such a remarkable thing about climbing too, that again, you lose your label as soon as you're, you know, you start climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to focus on something where lives can be at risk and you have to trust your partners and your own ability to think on the fly. And I mean, especially with like multi-pitch or alpine climbing, but yeah, even even to just go bouldering or something, like you want to make sure that the people you're with are trustworthy. And I think it really helps you getting beyond someone's exterior and really looking at these qualities. Like, you know, are they are they trustworthy? Are they um, looking out for me? Like, you know, just stuff like that. I feel like that's a whole nother conversation that I didn't really think about. But um, you could, yeah, you could always save that for a rainy day. <laughs> I think what must have been like a week or two ago, but you met, we were talking a little bit about, you know, you starting Dynamite Starfish and what that was like. And you mentioned that you went through a period where it was tough to have people take you seriously. I guess Dynamite Starfish as a business, what was that like and how did you overcome it? Because it really, even looking at the website now, you know, I know it's a very shallow thing, but you can see that there's been a lot of serious development and what you've grown. Mm. Well, it's great to be taken seriously at this moment, at least. Yeah, I think 
I think when I was first starting out, like I had such a lack of self-confidence, like I was telling you about a little bit earlier, how I would even be afraid to like ask for money at a pop-up shop. And I just felt like, oh my God, like my shirts are, they're just like so weird. And so, you know, like, I don't even know if they're worth anything. And a lot of, a lot of it also had to come with me taking myself seriously and valuing my own time. And I think that also a part of the pickle I got into a few years ago where I was taking on every task myself, that really also came from a place where feeling like I wasn't worth, like it wasn't worth it for somebody to work for me. So a lot of it just had to do with like personal overcomings. And, um, you know, that's something that the entrepreneurial journey is so good for helping because you have to learn how to take yourself seriously and you have to learn how to delegate and you have to learn how to fight for what you have, which is like, you know, I can think of one time where I gave a bunch of shirts to a gym for a raffle at a at a competition and they didn't know anything about the shirts. And so when the MC gave them out, he was like, um, I don't really know what these are, but like, it seems to be some kind of t-shirt. And of course, nobody is excited when you announce something like that. And I was like, oh man, like I'm so hurt and maybe even like offended that they didn't know. But also it was my fault because I could have just said, here's what it is, here's what's important to me, and like, here's how to announce it. And that makes everybody's lives easier. I get what I want, they get what they need. And it wasn't really until I built up a lot more self-confidence that I was able to even think about doing stuff like that. So yeah, I think there's, there's just a difference in how I present myself now. And also just being around for six years, like people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. And people always want to be more behind something they've seen before than something that's like totally new. And also like when I started, there wasn't really anything else like that before. So people were just like, I don't know what this is. Like it's too, it's too out there for me. (laughs) They weren't ready for it yet. They needed to grow. (laughs) They needed to grow as people to appreciate it. That's how I do that. Oh, well, yeah, I think we had a lot of growth to do just on, I don't know, on so many levels. And also, like, I didn't know how to run an online brand. Like, I would go out and do pop-ups and that was fine. But I didn't really know how to talk about myself online or, like, be presentable. That's a skill, too. Like, it's a skill that you have to learn. It doesn't matter how great your brand is if you don't know how to talk about it. Like, it's just it's not going to come across on a screen. That all hits home so well. And I think it's spending the time, you know, not being uh, shaken from what you're doing, but being able to fail and like screw up and like kind of get back up and be like, okay, well, I know what not to do. Like what you were saying with, I guess, better explaining uh, what the shirt is and what it means to you and how to present it. Like that's the, you take these little lessons, you take these hits on the chin, uh, reference the, <laughs> the martial arts. And that just gives you, I guess, the foresight to kind of roll through all this uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, for sure. For me, like doing these these podcasts, like it, it's really hard to make something and show it to the world earnestly. Obviously, I'm speaking in terms of like art, like the art that you make, whether it's print or a shirt, whatever, you know, it's doing anything creative is like putting a piece of you out there. 
And fear of rejection is real, but it also cuts really hard if you like spend some time and like you care about this thing. You're like, here's this thing. I I want you to appreciate it, world. And then, you know, what happens if people throw it back? Learning how to take that constructive feedback is like one of the biggest tools that you can build in uh, entrepreneurship and like building something. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such a good point and just like a good thing for everyone to remember because people get scared about, oh, should I start this thing? And I mean, I even do that too, where I want to start something new or I want to put a new piece of art out there. And I'm just like, well, how's it going to be received? And, you know, will people really see it in the right way? And like, what if no one likes it? That's always like the big fear for a lot of people. Honestly, I think being a graphic designer helped me get over that a lot because you have to submit so many designs like to your bosses and stuff and 90% of them get killed. And so if I was personally attached to like everything I designed, I think that God, I just, I would never survive as a graphic designer. (laughs) Gosh, like also when I first started making art for other people to see, it was such an interesting experience because up until then I had always made art. Like since I was three years old, I'm an only child. My parents were always working. I just uh, was always drawing and coloring and all that stuff. And so it was my only form of entertainment and also my way of like processing just what I was going through in life. And I always like, I have this box of sketchbooks and journals and stuff that I just never show anybody. But sometime in my twenties, I was really like, you know, I have to share some of my art or else like, I don't think I'm going to be a happy person. Like I can't leave all that stuff unseen or I guess in some way like bottled up. Like I had to I had to put some of it out there and just leave it. It was an exercise in vulnerability. Like I had to be honest and see what people honestly thought about it. And so I started to show at group shows and like, I mean, my art at that time was like, now that I think about it, just so awful, (laughs) but it was a starting point. And um, we had shows every month. I submitted every month and you know, like you get this really important feedback when you do put something out there. You know, if you never put anything out there, you get so tied up in your perception of the idea that it's it's always your idea and it never becomes anything more. So when you put it out there and you let it be part of the, you just let it be part of the ether, like part of that our community consciousness, you kind of let it go and let it have its own life and people can think whatever they think about it. And then it's your job to sort of like direct the ship. But there's an element there of just like not being so in control of what you made and like just letting it, letting it be. And that's like a happy place for projects to be, I think. That's like a really beautiful sentiment. And I Hearing you say that kind of makes me feel like I get Dynamite Starfish a little bit more now. Hmm. Like it, it, it feels like that's kind of a, a direct thing. I mean, I don't know if, if that was your literal uh, intention with, you know, how you look at Dynamite Starfish, but, you know, you are putting your art out there and it is, it's designed to like empower the, the climate community, like bring in the culture. And I feel like that's like the perfect way of doing it, is like, 
you know, conveying these ideas, these thoughts, these notions and tropes, however you want to put it, putting it on paper or shirts, putting it out there for people to appreciate in their own way. Like um, the shirt with like the messed up hands, like taped up bloody hands. Like that's something that a lot of people can relate to, but everyone will relate to that in their own way. Whether it's like, that's who I want to be, or that's who I am, or I just like kooky designs. There's like a, yeah. a such a gamut to like take it and run with it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of my shirts too, because they're sort of based on like characters, if you might be able to say. I think it's just funny in the way that like you could be that person. You could gift it to someone that you think is that kind of person. You could be making fun of that person. Like it doesn't really matter. It's like whatever your own um, spin on it is. And the reason you wear it, like that's just you. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it's self-expression. Like that is like the point, the, one of the main points of art, first of all, but what you wear is the first layer of what you're showing off to the world too. I think you're so right. Speaking of vulnerability, I know we talked a lot about, again, in our, our initial call, just the difficulty of starting a business and kind of throwing things out there. Do you have any advice for anyone who is looking to start a business or, you know, specifically climbers tend to be super entrepreneurial and like, always like, oh, I don't know if I want to take the plunge, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to anyone who's kind of on the fence about chasing their dream? Yeah, I think the number one thing that I've learned and that I would probably recommend to people is just to learn to trust yourself. And that sounds a little bit cliche, but I can remember a time when you know, going into a new challenge or going into a new project, I would try to like prepare for every situation or like research everything. And I'd be like, I have to know everything there is to know about this and that before I can even get started. I went through a shift where I went from that kind of mentality to just like trusting that I'm a person that can learn and I trust my creativity and my skills to either get me through the problem or at least like get me to a safe spot, like a resting spot, kind of like in climbing where you can try your best to read all the beta that's out there about a particular climb. And you can try to like memorize every move and like know exactly what's on each pitch and where to make your belay station and all of that. But maybe more important than knowing everything there is to know about the climb is just like knowing more about the fundamentals of like how to build a good belay station and communicating with your partner about like when's a good time to stop and take a break and kind of monitoring yourself and trusting that you both have the skills to do this safely i think is more important than you know knowing every single thing so i guess just as opposed to seeking knowledge about things which you know you are going to have to know too but like how to do things and how to trust yourself in situations and learning how to maneuver yourself is probably a lot more important. And I guess, you know, that's also something that comes with like having started, but yeah, I guess I would just say like, don't worry about feeling like you have to know every single little thing in order to get started. Like you can get started. And as long as you're confident that you can learn along the way and you're open to learning along the way, some people aren't. If you're not open to learning and you're not open to being wrong, then like probably don't start a business. (laughs) (laughs) It always amazes me how resistant people will be to a new concept. 
And like that, like challenges, like their way of thinking where to me, I'm just like, no, like I am, I have been wrong so many times and I will continue to be wrong. Just tell me how to not be wrong. And I will make that change. Yeah. What do you want dynamite starfish to become? Obviously it's, you know, been a seriously budding community based around climbing culture. Do you have like a lot of future plans or dreams behind it where you want it to be more than just apparel you know, more expansive community. What, what would, what does that look like in the future for you? Mm. Well, I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot sort of as I've gone through the whole journey of, you know, starting it. And I think there is an element of the way I do things, which is just letting it be what it is (laughs) kind of just letting it have its own direction. Like I'm definitely going to have goals and intentions, but I don't know if I can really effectively say like, this is exactly how it's going to be in five years or something. But I do know that I want the company to be a little bit more community focused. I feel like that's the direction it's grown naturally. And if I can nurture that more, I feel like that brings more value to people than just like, making a lot more shirts or I mean, yeah, I I guess I could grow in that direction as well as just to make like a ton more artwork or like bring on other artists or something. I don't know. But I feel like my main focus right now is just how can we serve the community better by hearing and uplifting their voices and just having their stories be heard and talk about climbing in a way that is relatable for people. And I think just the way that my brand operates too is like, we don't really do like professional photo shoots or like, you know, go and get social media content from people who have a particular aesthetic that we want to promote. Like we really just use a lot of donated photography from our real customers. And I try my best to make all of our marketing and our Instagram page and everything, just like a real reflection of people who actually buy from us. And, you know, I just, something that has been on my mind too is in the very beginning, I was really kind of uptight about the type of art that I was making. I was really like in my, I was in my like artist ego brain, I call it of like, I want my art to have a certain kind of emotional note like I want it to be obscure like I want it to be like a certain kind of way and as I went on over the years I realized that like people who were buying my stuff they did not like it because it was obscure or because it looked a certain way they were liking it because it was relatable and so I had to change my outlook on like what I even thought was valuable about my art. And so letting go of what I thought was important and taking in more of what other people enjoyed and like what made their lives better, I think was, there was a shift that happened there too. And I think it's just like, we're going to shift more by listening to our customers and also, you know, doing more of what brings them value and brings them joy. And right now, I think it's just the fact that they feel like their climbing community is represented and we see them and we make art that's like fun to them. I think that's kind of the most important thing right now. You reminded me of what I was going to say, which is um, in terms of when you got started and trying to find, I guess you're right, artistic voice, but it's letting things be imperfect. 
and and evolve. I mean, even it sounds like that's it applies to dynamite starfish as a whole. Like you're letting it evolve. You're not forcing it. You're just listening to what's going on with your customers. And I think you're 100 percent right. At the end of the day, the thing that you're creating it it quickly stops being for you and starts being for the community at large. That's like a, I guess ties back to what you were saying uh, earlier. Like that's that's a really hard thing to wrap yourself around just because the ego can get in the way to divorce yourself from the idea and be like, okay, this isn't just for me. This is for, this is an us thing. What do you want? Let's build it together. Yeah, totally. I think uh, a lot of creators and artists can get stuck in like their own vision of things. And um, yeah, sometimes you just got to let it be. (laughs) I also really, really, really like what you're doing with, I guess, shining the spotlight on community climbers and making it more of a hands-on thing. You're filling in the blanks of climbing. I mean, climbing as a sport, it's, you know, it's the sport. You can go climb, you can climb in a lot of different ways. People will probably continue to invent different stuff. Like speed climbing is like relatively new. Gyms popping up more. There'll be ways to like take the sport and make it more interesting, but it does need help filling in the blanks behind it. And, you know, there's not one way to learn about something. There's not one experience. So to get everyone's take on climbing, what it means to them to be able to breathe soul into the sport, that's enormous. What is the best part about running and starting Dynamite Starfish? Ooh, I think it's just the the journey that it takes you on. I think that, you know, I'm sure you know this as well, having started a business and a podcast and everything. But even if you just think of yourself as, you know, who you were at the time you started this thing and all of the different phases that you had to grow through in order to get to where you are now, I think it's just like the most incredible journey that you could never, like you could never sign up for a class that teaches you all of that or, you know, like pay for some experience that's going to give you the growth that you got by nurturing something that you made and trying to, I guess, just like trying to survive. And I think that there's something really beautiful about doing that for yourself that gives you this like very real perspective on just like what it takes to be, you know, a a human being in the world. Yeah. it's. I, I think having that uh, those obstacles to get over to or just adds way more gratification to it. And you kind of like know that, oh, this was the right thing. Like I did need to be this uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. It does kind of change you. And not in like a weird like Vietnam kind of way, more in like a... <laughs> yeah. And I think if I had just stayed at my job and like, you know, I, I could have had more security for sure. And I wouldn't have gone through all those months of like being super broke. But um yeah, like I, I just don't think I would have learned as much. And to me, that is uh, worth it. And that's like the point of, I mean, living at all. Yeah. And even bigger is that you would, I mean, this is what I think about often. Like I could not live with myself dealing with that huge what if. Mm-hmm. Leslie, thank you so much for, for coming on. For the listener who wants to find out more about Dynamite Starfish, maybe pick up a shirt. Where is the best place for them to head? dynamitestarfish.com. We're also on Instagram at dynamitestarfish. If you want to reach me, you can email me anything you want at leslie at dynamitestarfish.com. I'm happy to chat with anybody. Awesome. Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Hey, Ready Daily Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week. Bye.